0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. 23rd of April, 1989, a uh, wine dealer and merchant by the name of William Sokolin uh, had come in to possession of a 1787 bottle or Chateau Margaux wine that was found in a Paris wine cellar, and was believed to be part of the collection of the late U.S. President Thomas Jefferson, actually had his initials inscribed into the label. And Soquel got a hold of this bottle, believing uh, the worth of it was significant, and many people uh, had. priced this bottle of wine in the hundreds of thousands, but Sokolin believed that he could probably get near half a million dollars for this bottle of wine that had been Thomas Jefferson's. On this particular night in April 1989, Sokolin is walking through a dinner party showing it to a bunch of guests trying to, I imagine, convince someone that it was a great investment for their future. As he moved from table to table, telling the story and showing this bottle of wine, he moved to a table where, as he did, he bumped the bottle on a metal serving tray. Unbeknownst to him, until he felt the trickle down his leg, he had actually cracked the bottle. And in just a few short moments, a very expensive contents leaked out of the bottle and onto the floor. And that once half a million dollar valued bottle of wine became... Nearly worthless. Anyone else had that experience? I don't know, but there's something about breaking something of value. We, we had an experience some years ago, about 14 years ago, I, I think if my calculations are correct, where I'd actually been invited to go for a month to take on a, a short-term interim pastoral job in Cairns. Actually, James's dad, Phil, who spoke at our church camp this year, was on long service leave, and I was... Uh, A youth pastor at the time, still developing in my ministry skills. And so it was seen as an opportunity for me to go and take a different role. And so for a month I went to Cairns. And Chrissy and I went with our two children at the time, Eli and Harrison. Harrison was about two years old. And a family from the church very generously donated their log cabin in Cairns for us to stay in for the month that we were there. Now it was a kind of one and a half bedroom, and there was this little alcove. That we decided we'd set up Harrison's Porticot. Now, all of us with kids know that sometimes the thing you need to do is remind remove not just the sound but the visual reminder of where mum and dad are. So I set up his porticot, and as I go to hang a sheet, uh, not being that careful, I-, I fling like the sheet cover to hang, and it contacts this vase that's sitting on a shelf and it comes crashing to the ground. Now, in that moment I had instant regret because I actually didn't know whether the vase, what the vase was or whether it was any value. I didn't know if it was a family heirloom. I didn't know if it was some ancient artifact from the Ming dynasty. I didn't know if it was just a cheap decoration that they'd got from the reject shop. I, I had no idea about the value of this vase. All I can remember is the feeling inside as I saw it in slow motion come off the shelf And shatter into the ground. Have you ever had one of those moments of instant regret? Where you wish you could just take back, rewind 20 seconds. I would have been more careful. I only needed to rewind 20 seconds to change that whole narrative because for the next week I searched every shop I could in Cairns to try and find something that even if it wasn't the same, looked the same. Couldn't find a replica of that vase. Maybe you wish you could just rewind five minutes of your life or one day and do it difficult. There's nothing quite like that slow motion, is there? Of watching something of value fall to the ground and hearing the sound it makes. (laughs) That was meant to break when it fell. You see, a vase, when it shatters, becomes worthless. Like the broken pieces have no value anymore. The broken pieces have no purpose anymore. And usually when something like that happens, we just find a way to take it to the dump. I'll give that to you. Thank you, Hannah. Have you ever had one of those moments where something in your life has come crashing down in slow motion and all you hear is the sound of the breaking pottery on the ground. See, it's one thing when it's a vase or a piece of pottery or some glass. It's another thing when the thing that comes crashing down is you or someone that you care about. You know, those moments in life that you wish you could rewind, not because you dropped a vase, but because... You broke something bigger you wish you could rewind and take back those words that you spoke you wish you could hit recall on the email or break into their email account and delete it before they read it you wish that you could say no instead of the yes that you did say you wish that you went home earlier you wish that you offered an open hand rather than a fist you wish that you had one less drink You wish you hadn't turned on the computer. You wish you hadn't driven as fast. You wish you hadn't taken and sent that picture. We all have those moments where we wish we could rewind because brokenness enters our life. You know, brokenness enters sometimes because of ignorance. Some of us have done some things in life that we didn't know at the time were damaging, but in hindsight, when we look back, we realise that the wound that was created from it was something that we never would have chosen for ourselves. Sometimes we create wounds and brokenness because we're reckless. We just don't think things through. The, The greatest challenge for me as a parent of four teenage boys is that everyone tells me that the male brain doesn't fully... Form until 25 years of age. Some wives here are thinking a bit longer than that, but I'm told that the male brain doesn't fully form until about 25 years of age, so I kind of feel like I've got a really important job just to get my kids to 25 when they finally grow up and the reckless side of their brain matures. Sometimes we bring brokenness into our life because we're selfish. Sometimes brokenness comes in because The ones that taught us how to do life were also broken and taught us terrible habits. Sometimes brokenness comes in because at heart we're just rebels. And just like the vase that I broke, as soon as brokenness comes in, something in you changes. If it's a vase, we just throw it out. It was of great value, but now it's broken and now seemingly worthless. It loses its value, it loses its worth. It loses its purpose and we decide that it's worth nothing else but the trash. We don't necessarily treat our lives like a piece of pottery. But sometimes in our life, brokenness can have the same effect. You see, when we have brokenness enter our life, we can feel worthless. And today, some of us, as we reflect on some of those moments of brokenness, feel worthless because of something that we cannot take back. Sometimes when brokenness enters our life, we start to view ourselves as having no value. Sometimes when brokenness enters our life, we we feel like our future is now forever dictated by the events and the decisions of our past. You see, the challenge is brokenness is not something, our past is not something that we can change. No matter how much we will it, no matter how much we go through it in our mind, no matter how much we replay it and think about what went wrong and the decision we made and how we'd love to change it, our past is not something that we can ever change. But we have a decision to make about how we deal with our brokenness. Because for many people, brokenness becomes their identity. But it doesn't have to. If you've got your Bible, I'm going to take us to Ephesians chapter 2 today. I want to read us a really powerful part of the scripture written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a place called Ephesus. If you're just becoming familiar with the Bible or if you've never seen a Bible or opened it, the Bible is actually a collection of 66 different books. And in the latter part of it, we call it the New Testament, there's a whole bunch of letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to new churches. And this comes from the words of Paul written to a church in a place called Ephesus, which is in uh, modern-day Turkey, I believe. He says this to the church, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. See, we don't, sin's not a popular word. It's not a, a word that's used a lot in popular culture. But if we want to talk about brokenness, let's talk about Sin. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, can we just say all of us? All of us. Now say me. Now look at the person next to you and go, this is about you, right? This is about you. Right. Paul says, all of us, in other words, every single one of us here today is part of what he's about to say. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. This is the crazy thing about sin and brokenness. right? None of us deliberately crash down and create wounds in our life, do we? Sin's not like that. Sin, as Paul says, is often us gratifying the craving of our flesh. In other words, it's attractive. The things that sometimes wound us are attractive things that draw us, that our heart and our head tells us won't be as bad as someone has convinced us that they will be. I don't know many people that woke up and thought, you know what, I'm going to go and sleep with someone who's not my spouse today because it's going to feel really terrible. I don't know anyone that thought, you know what, I'm going to share some gossip and it's going to pain me to do so. I really don't want to share this thought about somebody else that I have, but I'm compelled to do it. No, no, there's something, isn't there, about going, I got some information. It's pretty cool information. Would you like to hear it? It's about such and such. It's something that is us gratifying. Paul says, we're actually just gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. I don't know anyone that just thought, you know what, I, I don't want to be greedy, but... I figure there's more stuff that I need so I'm going to hold on to it for my own purposes against my own will. Sin is not anything that any of us choose because we think it's going to be terrible. There's something that's attractive about sin and Paul says of it, all of us, in other words, every single one of us here today, none of us are immune to this, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. You know, when sin came into the human story, as the Bible tells it in the early chapters of Genesis, it was never painted as something that, you know, the the original couple, Adam and Eve, stepped into because they thought it was a bad idea. There was something that was deceptive about it. It was presented to them as attractive. It was presented to them as something that they wanted. It was presented to them as God actually has no idea what he's talking about. Why would he deny you from this beautiful experience that you've been robbed of? See, that was the original picture of sin. In the Garden of Eden, as the story is told, as they're presented with a fruit that they were told not to eat, they were convinced that they should crave the one thing that they were told they shouldn't. And in that moment, they determined that God didn't know best and that they were willing to take the chance on doing something that looked really attractive and that they were willing now to work out their own redemption in consequence of that's what sin looks like. Most of us don't willingly choose to implode our life. At some point, the cravings of our, our flesh and the desires and thoughts that warp to tell us that this is better than it really is convince us to go down tracks that bring brokenness into our life. The scripture continues. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, people don't like it when the Bible talks about wrath. Like we feel like we need to explain this idea of wrath. You know, we can get really caught up here, but let me just explain a little bit about how this works. See, we live, in, we live in a world that naturally demands justice. What's justice? Justice is making things right. In other words, when someone does something to affect you, what's your natural human response to that? I want justice. Someone crashes their car into you because they're speeding, what do you want to do? You want to seek justice. Someone tells a lie about you in the workplace that actually affects your capacity to grow in the organisation. What do you want? Justice. Someone hits you. What do you want? Justice. You see, the response to any brokenness or sin is the demand for justice. And we should understand this because at the core of all that we are, we want justice. And all Paul says is all of us, we're by nature deserving of wrath or God's justice. See, justice is appropriate and normative. And Paul says that your sinful behaviour demands the consequences of justice. And justice demands a payment. So in other words, because of your sin, because all of us have chosen to do things, to gratify our thoughts and the, the, the element of us that steps into realm of sin and brokenness, because of that, justice demands a consequence. But the scripture goes on. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable... I always get stuck on that word. Incomparable riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it's by grace that you have been saved through faith and that is not from yourselves it's the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do See, your past is not something you can change the bad decisions, the dumb decisions, the broken relationships, the words spoken, the fists thrown. You can't change the events of your past. But Paul wants us to know that God is different to you. God is actually rich in love. God is great in mercy. And God chooses, even despite our past and our brokenness, to make us alive. God puts the pieces back together so that we can show the scars of the past but walk through them into a forgiven future. I just want to talk for a few minutes today about what brokenness can look like in our life because for many of us our scars become our identity See, we we right now reflect on decisions of our past or events of our past and they have become the thing that define us. Our brokenness is the thing that's become our identity. It's become the label that sits over our life. Maybe we look at our past and realise that we failed as a parent in our own eyes. Maybe we have a past full of anger and violence. Maybe we have a past where we were sexually promiscuous or we committed adultery. Maybe our past is a failed career where everything that we dreamed of and hoped for came crashing down. Maybe it's a failed career because we made some bad choices. Maybe we got a past where we were caught out stealing or lying or maybe our past is just kind of labelled by some of the more acceptable sins. Greed, gossip, slander, jealousy. You see, all of us become aware of our brokenness, but some of us live through our brokenness. Our scars become our identity. And we become defined by the wound. Some of us don't just become defined by the wound, we live out of the wound. The wound never quite heals up and so everything about us is driven by the wound, the way we treat others, the way that we talk to others. We're we're actually acting out of the hurt and the brokenness of our own past. So for some of us, it's the scars that we've picked up along the way that actually change the way we treat others, the way we talk to others the way we actually lean into community with others. The way we treat others comes from our own sense of failure, maybe our own lack of personal self-worth and value, but no one else sees that, all they see is someone that's bitter and someone that's slanderous and someone that's just hard. But often it's our brokenness that becomes the barrier for us truly experiencing community with others. Some of us are in marriages where our spouse constantly lives on the receiving end of our own guilt and shame that manifests in our marriage as anger or slander or reckless behavior or addiction, whatever it is. We can have scars in our life that we allow to become our identity. And if our scars become our identity, we live as slaves to our scars. I want to suggest a completely different picture. Hannah, how, how's it looking? Hannah, the artist, has been putting the pot back together. I would lift it up here, Hannah, but I'm scared of what might happen because the glue is yet to dry. See, our scars can become our identity, or our scars can become our testimony. They're either our identity or our testimony. You see, Paul wants us to know through what he writes to the church in Ephesus that God's in the business of putting us back together and making us whole again. In another book to a church in Corinth, he writes this, "'What we preach is not ourselves, "'but Jesus Christ as Lord, "'and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. "'For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, "'made his light shine in our hearts.'" to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not for us, or not from us. We have this treasure, and other translations say, earthen vessels, things that easily break and crack and show the wear and tear of life. But we hold God's glory in these broken pots, in these cracked pots. You're all cracked pots. Some of you are cracked pots, but we're all cracked pots. And we hold God's glory in cracked pots, not to highlight our scars, but to let our scars be a testimony to his goodness, his grace, his love, and his mercy. None of us should ever glory in our scars because brokenness is never a good story. But all of us were invited to let God's glory shine through them. You know, one of the greatest uh, things that's spoken against the Christian church is you're all hypocrites. And there's truth to that, isn't there? Sometimes the things I say and the things that I do don't match up. That's hypocrisy. I am a hypocrite. I'm going to guess that so are most of you at times as well. Because I'm also broken and I'm also fallible and I also make stupid mistakes and I also get tired and I also say things I shouldn't and I also, you know, speak about people the way I shouldn't at times. I'm also, you know, sometimes not patient as a husband and a father. Sometimes I just, I'm greedy and I'm gossipy and I get driven by things that suit me. Like, I'm not a perfect person. And so, if I ever hold myself up as the model of what someone should be in an attempt to lead them to Christ, I'm kind of missing the point. See, the problem with hypocrisy is when we try and present a life that's all together and then people see a life that's not, then we get labelled with hypocrites. What if instead of hypocrisy, we actually all chose to be vulnerable and acknowledge that we're all a little bit broken? We've all got some scars and some wounds. But the thing that we're inviting people into is not a picture of who I am, but is a picture of who Christ is and the way he shines his glory through our brokenness. You see, there's something that many of us have bought into this kind of belief that once we become followers of Jesus or people of faith, we've got to convince everybody else that we've got it all together and we've never made a mistake and that we're perfect and that we're being redeemed in every moment. And that's true. God wants to transform you. God wants to knock off the rough edges. God wants to redeem that which is broken in you. He doesn't like it when you create scars, but your scars actually become an invitation for his testimony to shine out of you. And so I wonder if the church would get less criticised for hypocrisy if we all learnt just a little bit more vulnerability. Or saying, here I am, let me tell you some of my stories and some of my failures, but let me tell you about what Jesus has done through them. See, hypocrisy comes when we try and impose ideals on people as opposed to telling the story of what happens when we don't live those ideals and how we've discovered that God's way is a better way. We're invited to let our brokenness and our scars become our testimony. Why? Because they remind us and they remind others of God's grace, his mercy and his love. Let me remind you again of the scripture we read. Because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're not getting the picture, it's got nothing to do with you and your goodness or how hard you've worked. It's all got to do with the grace and the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is purely the gift of God. Will you let your scars become your testimony? Because not only do they remind us and remind others of God's grace, mercy, and love, they actually fuel our purpose. Because the scripture goes on to say this we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. Look at the person next to you again and say, not only were you the transgressor, I want to tell you right now that you are God's handiwork. You're his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, your salvation is not based on good works. Paul's already just said to us that you're saved by grace and not by works so that no one can boast, but you're saved for good works not saved by good works, but saved for good works because you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your scars can become your testimony and in your brokenness and your stories as you become vulnerable with others, God is in the business of putting you back together again and making you whole. I actually wonder if some of us this week need to go buy a pot, break it, glue it back together, and sit it somewhere in our house to remind us that this is what Jesus is in the business of doing with us. Because when we break, he doesn't see us as worthless or lacking value or lacking purpose. He in his kindness just picks up the pieces and just like Hannah does, starts putting them back together. And all of us are going to be works in progress. All of us are works in progress. But this is what Jesus is in the business of doing in you. Good job, Hannah. Why don't we put our hands together for Hannah? If anyone would like to finish that vase, they're very welcome. Take it with you today. You know what, our scars can become our identity or our scars, can become our testimony. And finally, let me just say this. His scars became your redemption. His scars became your redemption. Jesus stands before you and he opens his hands. The hands that created all that we see and all that we know, the hands that lovingly embrace us, but the hands that had nails driven through them. So that you could know his rich mercy, love and grace. His scars have become your redemption. The prophet Isaiah says this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Your scars are there because you live in a sinful and a broken world. And some of the scars and some of the brokenness that you have in your life has come because of decisions and choices and actions that you've made. Some of us carry wounds and scars that we never chose for ourselves, but because of the broken world we're in, we're actually being wounded by others. All of us carry scars because of the brokenness of this world. But his scars came because of the brokenness of this world, but not because of anything that he did. And his scars came so that this broken world could be redeemed. Now the good news of Jesus and the salvation he offers is this. That God loved you so much that he stepped out of the glory and the riches of heaven. Where the angels just praised him and worshipped him and glorified him. He stepped into the mess of planet earth and into the mess of your story. And they took his life. A perfect man had his life taken. But in that very act, justice was served. You see, in God's economy, He chose to take the punishment for your sin. He chose to express His love to you by giving His own life. And it's by His scars that you can be redeemed. I want to pray for two groups of us this morning. Maybe you have never discovered the grace of the Lord Jesus that sees you in all of your brokenness, sees you in all of your pain, but wants to say to you, you are worth more than you could ever imagine. You have never lost your value in my sight. And I want to help pick up the pieces and put them back together to restore you, to redeem you, and to make you whole again. Maybe you've never discovered just the beauty of that story. Never you. Maybe you've never taken up the invitation to allow your story to become connected to, to married to his story, his invitation. It says it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. The through faith bit is the bit you do, where you choose to make that story your story. And so this morning, I'd, I'd just love to pray for some of us because I actually believe today could be the day that you start a whole new story recognising your place as one of God's kids recognising his grace and his mercy and his love that's going to minister to you in your brokenness and make you whole again then help you rediscover a purpose that can only be found in him if that's you what I'd love you to do is this I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to just create some gap for you to just take my words and repeat them or maybe turn them into your own words and Why don't you just where you are pray a prayer to Jesus today and invite him to become your Lord and Saviour. If you do that at the end of the service, we're not going to make make a spectacle of that, but at the end of the service, it's going to be very, very important that you let someone know that you prayed that prayer for the first time because it's just going to be your starting point, but God's got a whole great story that he wants to write with you and it's not going to be something you can do alone. It's really important that you let someone know if you know no one else here, come and see me just make sure one of our church leaders, James up here, myself Soph, jump up, Sophie leads our care ministry, grab Sophie just tell someone today that you prayed that prayer so we can do the journey with you but if that's you, why don't you pray this prayer with me Dear Lord Jesus I recognise my brokenness I'm sorry for the things that I've done that have brought hurt and pain and brokenness my story into into others lives would you forgive me today I choose to put my faith and my trust in you to experience your love to experience your grace to experience your forgiveness I choose to follow you I choose to make you my Lord and my Saviour. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed, that, that is the best prayer you'll ever pray. If you did that for the first time today, make sure you come see one of us. I want to pray for a bunch of others today. I reckon some of us have actually let our scars become our identity today Jesus gives you a brand new invitation to let your scars become your testimony and and each of us are going to have a different journey in that but I reckon God just wants to actually shine his light his glory through the broken parts of your life and and use those not they're not filled with pain anymore they're just filled with reminders of God's goodness his love and his grace and his new purposes in your now, I'm going to ask you to do something that's, that is a little bit vulnerable. I talked about vulnerability today and is a little bit confronting, but just so I can pray for you and we as a church can minister to you. If, if you know that for you today, you need Jesus to take your brokenness and the scars and the wounds that you've picked up and bring his healing so that your identity is not found in that, but they become a new testimony of someone who's found their identity in Jesus. Can i ask you just where you are right now if you just would stand. I pray for you. Came into this place today just believing God was going to bring some incredible healing to some people's lives. It's a real faith that just there's something in this message that is going to bring a breakthrough for someone here today. Thanks, mate. It always takes one to be first. Are others that want to just join in that prayer. That your brokenness God would gloriously redeem to become a brand new testimony of his grace. We've got a couple of the back. Anyone else want to join them? Because if not, I'm going to get some of you to race down and gather around these guys. We're going to pray for them. Awesome. Okay, church no professional prayers because it's not about us, it's all about him. Why don't you just, can can we just gather around these guys that have stood, if you know them, if you love them, if you just got a word of encouragement for them, we're just going to pray God's blessing over them today. Come and look around there's people at the back. Right down the back in the hospitality area. Need a few people to move down there. It's your time church to do your best work. Let me pray and then I'd like you to all pray. Awesome. Cool. Hey, Lord Jesus, we're all here very aware of our brokenness, very aware of our sin, the the ways we've fallen short, who you call us to be, the way we've brought pain into our life and the life of others. All of us are really aware of that. But Jesus, we're here as people that have a testimony of your grace. And Father, I believe that in that testimony is, as we allow your light and your glory to shine through those cracks, those scars in our life, Jesus, you're going to bring great hope and healing into many lives. And Lord, for all those that have stood this morning, I just want to pray, Lord, right now that you minister your healing. As the Bible tells us, it's by your wounds, it's by your decision and choice to allow your body to be broken, that we can be healed. So God, by your wounds today, may your healing come. And God, may the past not become the identity. May the future become found in brand new purpose in declaring your glory and your grace, I pray. Hey, if you're with those guys, why don't you continue to minister to them? The rest of us, why don't we stand together? We're gonna sing just of God's goodness together this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and our locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.